Y'all can go ahead and be seated. We got a video for you. What makes you feel alive? Have you ever considered that your skills and giftings could be used for the kingdom of God? At Grace, we come alongside our leaders as they reach their circle of influence, their places of interest, their people. Because we believe that there isn't a difference between your spiritual life and your everyday life. By having Christ as the center of your passions, you lead others to live in the same way. The value of your leadership is the opportunity to foster and facilitate the spiritual development of others in Aggieland and around the world. Imagine your passions empowered for eternal significance. Consider serving at Grace. What will your impact be? Well, good morning, guys. It is a joy to see you guys. As a body of Christ, we believe that you guys are all uniquely gifted and fitted and called to some kind of ministry, some kind of influence on our campus and in our church. And one of the things that we're passionate about is helping equip you for that ministry. And so even the last six weeks, we've been talking about faith and work and the connection between them. And hopefully you guys have grasped that we really believe that your gifts, your skills, your passions have an opportunity to be served and to be led not only within the walls of the church, but obviously outside of the walls of the church. And so really, as we guys go into spring break, you're just about a few days away, people. Uh, we, one of the things we want to highlight for you guys is that our applications for leadership are online. And one of the things that we want to do as a church is help equip you and train you for whatever ministry the Lord has for you in whatever context it may be. And one of the things we want to do is not just equip you for a ministry here within the church, but equip you for ministry even outside of the church. And so as our leadership applications go online, due on March 20th, that's one of the things that we want to highlight for you, that you're gifted, that you're passionate, that God has given those to you uniquely. And what we want to do as a church is just simply come alongside of you and serve you and train you for those things. And so if you're in that place going, hey, what are my gifts? Or if you're in that place going, where is it that I'm called to lead? Let us come alongside of you and both A, help you find that and B, train you and equip you and develop you for that place. Let us help you be developed as a leader. That's really what we want to do. Our applications for leadership are online March 20th and they're due on March 20th. So you have some time over spring break when you're not gallivanting on a cruise or wherever you're headed. Uh, but we'd love to be able to help you with that. So apply online now. The other thing that's highlighting uh, coming up for us, uh, if you don't have summer plans yet, if you're still trying to figure out what the Lord has for you this summer, maybe you're looking at summer school or maybe you're looking at a camp or whatnot, one of the other opportunities that we have that you can still apply for is we have a summer mission trip going to Kansas City this summer, a domestic trip uh, that's going to have an opportunity to serve not just in evangelism but in service and an outreach to the city. And so uh, I think an area that will really help develop so many of your gifts and your skill sets and develop you as a leader, I think this trip will be phenomenal. So uh, that trip is online. You can find out more about uh, on it on our missions page. If you have questions, come grab me as well. Last thing I want to highlight for you guys, we have kind of a unique rest of the schedule for the spring. So you guys know spring break is coming, and so we actually, as a college service, don't meet at 11 o'clock the Sunday before spring break, which is next week, or the Sunday after spring break, which is on the 20th. And then very unusually, we have Easter immediately following that, which is on the 27th. And so uh, Sunday at 11, we won't meet for the next three weeks, which is really kind of a long break, and we'll come back and we'll resume here on April 3rd. So that's really a three, four-week stretch that we're going to miss you guys. And so let's say in contact. We'll be praying for you guys. Hope you guys have a great, refreshing break. 
Speaking of April 3rd, one of the things we're going to do this morning is highlight for you uh, what's coming the rest of the spring. So hopefully this isn't a news flash. I've kind of mentioned it uh, a few weeks ago as well. But uh, as I'm transitioning to a new role at Grace Bible Church here as a campus pastor here at Southwood, uh, coming behind, uh, I have the opportunity this morning to introduce to you guys Kevin Barra. So Kevin's going to come on up. Uh, Kevin spoke one Sunday last fall in here, but he's going to be speaking this morning. Uh, And this time I get to introduce him not as a guest speaker, but get to introduce him as the guy who's going to be coming in to become the college pastor here at Southwood. And I'll tell you guys, Kevin, amazing leader, uh, a great communicator of the Word of God. And so it's a great privilege to get to hand things off to this guy this morning. We're not necessarily going to do a torch pass. We're not necessarily going to have like a baton, although he did cross country way back in the day and can probably whip you in a four-minute mile still. Maybe not. All right. Uh, But... One of the things I wanted to do was give him a few gifts, uh, partying gifts, as I transition out to kind of welcome him, but also kind of help orient him as he moves from youth ministry to college ministry and what it's like working and serving alongside of you guys. Now, the first thing I have are three gifts for you, Kevin. I hope you're ready for this. The first gift I have is, maybe you think it's ordinary, but this is a box of Kleenexes, all right? You can't tell this if you're sitting from far, but these are puffs. These are dermatologically approved. These are fancy ones. Why am I giving you a box of Kleenexes, you may wonder. I'll just tell you, as a college pastor, Kevin, one of the things I realized is half of the job is Bible. The other half of the job is just dating counsel, all right? <laughs> and with that, with that, I realized over the years, there's a lot of breakups that you guys go through. There's a there's a lot of crying moments, in which case you're going to need some Kleenexes. So that's... That's kind of gift number one for you. The other gift I have for you, uh, I have two more gifts, but the other gift is, is a box of Legos, all right? Uh, you guys may not realize this, but Kevin has a series of kids, and so that can be a gift for you right now, a series of kids. <laughs> They've just, I don't know what series meant. Uh, that was awkward. <laughs> There's going to be a lot less awkward moments on stage with Kevin, I assure you, all right? Um, But these Legos can be a gift for your kids in about an hour, but they're also a gift for you right now uh, because really I think they're a great visual for you as you think about college ministry that really what we're about as in any ministry here at Grace Bible Church is building and equipping leaders. And so uh, the other piece I love about that is not just the idea of building and equipping, but especially here at Southwood College, one of the main things that we love is not just the equipping and the maturing of you students, but the doing of it and the fusing of it alongside of families that really as a church, we're all about integrating families and students and creating connections and really, I think those Legos provide you a little bit of a visual for that as well. Last thing for you, all right? A globe, all right? I'm going to open it up for you, all right? This is, we thought it could be a great little kind of desk piece for you, all right? Um, now, why a globe, all right? Uh, not only do we want to equip the next generation, uh, but our goal and our desire and our vision is to equip and to send students out to the nations. Uh, that very much as you guys graduate and head to whatever cities you're heading to, one of the things that we want to do in, in your summers or for some of you guys even longer term is, is send you to the nations. And so even as you step into this auditorium, if you, you guys maybe have never noticed that have been here for years, but alongside of our walls are pictures of our key initiative missions locations that we go to, to East Asia, to Greece, uh, to trade winds, North Africa, and a Muslim location, and now even to Kansas City. And so really a part of our vision, a part of what we're handing off to you is a ministry that's about equipping these students and even these families uh, for an impact, not just to the cities that they'll go to, but even to the ends of the earth one day. That's our goal. That's our heartbeat and our vision. And Kevin, I am not necessarily excited to leave, but I, I am really excited for these students that they didn't necessarily get to have you as a leader and as a communicator. I think you can do a great job. So let me pray for you, all right? 
Lord, I thank you for uh, this guy. I thank you for uh, the experience that you've given him in this church uh, with our leaders, college leaders for years that have been ministering to youth over at our Anderson campus. I thank you for the ways that you've formed him as a communicator. I thank you for the ways that you've equipped him as a leader. Thank you for his passion. I thank you for his convictions. I thank you for his strength. And Father, I pray that you would give him in his time here at Southwood College, Lord, I pray that you'd use him magnificently for your purposes. Uh, that as he steps in the lives of college students in a new way, into a new scope, Lord, I pray you give him great vision, that you give him great compassion, that you give him great direction. I pray to you even as he steps in the lives of these table hosts, Lord, that you would uh, allow great connections to be made and that you would extend him incredible favor with those that he begins to serve alongside and minister to. I thank you for this friend. I thank you for this fellow minister. And I'm excited to see what you'll do in and through him as he takes over leadership and takes this ministry to a new place and a greater place. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your faithfulness to us in our lives. Thank you for your giftedness of your servants. And thank you for the servant of yours. Pray that you extend him favor and mercy that you use him mightily for your purposes, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you. All right. Well, howdy. So glad to be here with you guys, and I know I got big shoes to fill, and, uh, and Trey asked me this morning, not to give like an official message, but more like a getting to know you, Kevin, and uh, I've never given a sermon on myself, and, uh, and I don't plan on doing that this morning either, so if you guys have a, uh, a Bible, flip to Acts chapter 9. And what I want to do this morning is I kind of want to lay my story on top of the life of Paul, which is a bold initiative, I know that. But I will say this, I believe that, that God works through people's lives in a similar way. And so what I want to do is I want to give you a bit about me, my testimony, where I've come from, and, and, uh, and all the way to here. But I also want to lay it on top of a scriptural foundation of how God works in the lives of people. And uh, so if you have a Bible, Acts chapter 9, uh, starting in verse 1. I'm going to read a little bit for us and then kind of continue to jump in. And you'll get to meet my series of children. And... Uh, here in a second. I will not parade the series in front of you. I'll show you a picture, which will be great. All right. Acts chapter 9, starting in verse 1. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, that he might be, be found to belong to the way. Men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone down around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, but rise and enter the city that you may be told what you are to do. And the men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. And Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this moment that we have to look at your word and to learn about transitions and how you work in the lives of people. And so what I lift up this time to you, it's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I wanted you to see my, my kids. Uh, and so here's a picture of my family. I've got four amazing kids. And here they are. Oh, I know. Yeah, I know. 
Okay, so the, this one is Peyton. She's a five-year-old, little, my five-year-old daughter. This one's Micah. He is four. This one's Jesse. He is two and a half. And this is Juliet, and she is four months. My wife is jiggling her somewhere in the crowd amongst you. Um, so we've got four amazing kids. Uh, and I have a beautiful wife. Her name is Hillary. And uh, so she went to veterinary school here. And so that's the main piece that brought us to College Station. Um, but you may ask yourself, people have asked me all this, all this, they've asked me this question. Kevin, are you now doing, now that you're going to move into college ministry, what you want to do? And my answer to that is, is yes and no. Yes and no. Yes, I'm excited about college ministry because for me personally, during my time in college, it was one of the most formative times in my life. It's when I got to know Jesus. It's when I started growing in my relationship with Jesus, and it was in there that I got the direction of my life. So it was hugely impactful for me, and so I hope this time in college is extremely impactful for you in a similar way. But secondly, uh, no, because in many ways I've been doing what I've been doing, which is what? Following the call of God in my life. And so for the past 11 years, I've done youth ministry, right? Wrangling kids. In fact, I was over there this morning, and uh, it was just like an epic moment in contrast in that there's a ninth grade guy who wants to wrestle me to the ground and he's trying to pick me up and take and I said buddy you're ninth grade not yet you know and so I had to wrestle him down and no one did that here which I was thankful for but that was just like the contrast that I, that I, that I was walking into and, I, and so and so am I doing now what I want to do y- yes and and no uh yes I am excited about pouring my life into your life and and helping you to know and grow and walk with Jesus but I think all of us can follow the call of God wherever we're at. My life verse is Acts 20, verse 24, and Paul says it this way. But I do not account my life as if nor of any value to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And I really believe that, that ministry is a gift. It's an opportunity to grow and serve alongside Jesus. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to walk through Paul's life and my life, about he, how God took him along three steps along his journey, getting to know Jesus, growing in a relationship with Jesus, and going for Jesus and with Jesus. So for me, how did I get to know Jesus is actually uh, surprising in my life. As I talk to most people uh, in kind of in church culture, they grew up in the church their whole life, and they're kind of involved in a lot of different things. That wasn't my story. I called myself the most unchurched, churched kid. I was in church, but I wasn't in Christ. You know the difference? You kind of know the answers, you walk the walk, but she never really leaves an impact on you. And that was Paul. I mean, he was zealous, passionate for God, but but going in the wrong direction. If you know anything about the life of Paul, he was murdering Christians kind of before Jesus saved him. I wasn't going that far, but I was in the church, but I wasn't in Christ. And so I remember going to confirmation class uh, as a 12-year-old. I became a member of my church, but I wasn't a Christian, okay? And so I'm going through confirmation class, and at the end of it, there's some high school students that came in and, and started telling me about a mission trip that they were, had gone on. And it was a mission trip to kind of help rebuild people's houses and that sort of thing. And I'm like, that sounds really fun. I'll do that. And so four years later, I entered back into the youth ministry, right? I was a youth pastor for 11 years, but I didn't go to youth group growing up, okay? That was kind of my, God is weird in contrast. But I decided, hey, I want to go to that. And so I go on this mission trip, and I remember we get there, and there's one house that needs a ton of work. 
And so several groups kind of got together and were all working on this one house. And there was a, a woman there and she was living by herself and the house needed a ton of work. And so all these teams are getting together to rebuild this house. And as they're painting walls and hammering, siding, and, and redoing ceiling tiles and, and all that sort of stuff, they're, they're rebuilding this house. And while everyone's working on the house, I was working on a girl, right? Freshman in high school, and she was cute, right? And so they're painting stuff, and I'm like, hey, you know, how are you doing? Yeah, oh, yeah, I'm so glad we're here, you know? And as they're, like, building stairs, I'm just like, oh, yeah, let me hold that for you as you kind of hammer something. Yeah, this is great. How are you doing, right? So that's my whole week spent. I'm hitting on the girl. They're hitting on the house, right? And so I'm, I'm there, and at the end of the week, we all kind of get together, and we stand in this circle, and the woman kind of comes out, and, and, she's, and she's got tears running down her face, She's so thankful we're there, so thankful that we're helping her in this way. And everyone stands in a circle, and they hold hands and start praying. I don't know your church background. Some people always hold hands. Some people never hold hands. We were a holding hands kind of church group thing. And so I strategically placed myself next to the cute girl, right? And this was an extended prayer time, like 15 minutes of praying. And I'm like, okay, hand don't sweat. Okay, this is so great, you know? And that night... There was this moment where everyone kind of shared what the week was like, where they worked, the impact that they had. And as I'm standing there, I, one of the seniors stands up, named, his name is Dan Fantle, and he recounts the entire week. You know, we worked on the house, the woman was there, she was so thankful, and then he talks about this last moment, right, when we're standing in the circle praying. And he says, the woman was crying, we were praying, and God was there. And I remember the woman I remember the praying, but I'd completely miss God. And that was one of those moments in life that just kind of sticks with you, you know, just kind of sticks in your mind going, I, I missed something that, some, that everyone else was seeing. And it wasn't until four years later that I finally met God. It was four years later, and I went away to college, and I came back after my freshman year of college, going back to the same work camp, right? And so because I was you know, a college student and extremely mature, right? I mean, freshman year of college, you know everything, right? When you come back, they're like, yeah, you need to be a leader. I'm like, okay, you know? And so I come back to help with the trip. And each morning, I would go out and do a run kind of on my own. And, uh, and as I'd go out on a run. Um, I was running track in college, and so I was running on my own. And then I'd get back, and I remember a moment. Um, it was day two when my, my now wife's dad came up, and he says, hey, I need to tell you something. I was like, what? He goes, I just need to tell you that, that Paul died. Now, Paul was a guy my sister had dated in high school. And he's one of those guys that he was, you know, he was a mixed bag, right? He was great in some ways, not so great in others. Uh, he would smoke cigarettes and drive me to play basketball, but I was so thankful that he drove me to play basketball, right? But he was, a great, he was great in some ways and, and mixed bag, and, and he had made a huge impact on me as a kid. We'd listen to Easy e driving to play basketball while he smoking cigarettes out the window. But... But he made a huge impact on me. And I heard that he had died in a plane crash, and I was like, oh, no. I remember the next day I went out for a run. I'm, just, I'm not feeling it, right? I'm just feeling kind of exhausted and tired. And I get out about, I don't know, 15 minutes in, and I'm like, ah, oh, forget it. I'm just going to go back. And I turn and start running back to the church we're staying at. And I said, I'm just going to take a right down this road. And I start running down the road, and two birds fly over my head and kind of land in front of me in this ditch. I was like, that's interesting. Two white birds out of nowhere. And they kind of do this hopscotch thing over and over again in front of me in this ditch as I'm running. 
and then at a point they just fly away. And I look at my watch and it's like the perfect amount of time for me to finish the run that I'm on. I'm like, odd. And I turn around and I start running back toward the church. And I take a right, start heading back to the church. And that moment was the first time I ever got honest with God. I start heading back and those two birds fly over me again, I kid you not, and start doing a hopscotch thing again and again and again over me. And I'm like, okay, this is weird. Do I get birds all the time? No. But this was a unique moment when God was getting my attention, I think. And in that moment, I just say, okay, God, are you real? What about Paul? Is Paul all right? What's going on in my life? Are, are, you, are, you, are you, do you even exist? And, and, I, and, and, and not audibly, but in a clear, compelling way, I felt like this peace of God come on me. And I felt like all my questions were answered. Not every question I've ever had, but in those moments, what I needed most, God just said, I'm here. And in that moment, that was a turning point for me. I said, hey, God's real. And I don't think you need that type of moment to know that God's real, but sometimes God moves in in a powerful way and it removes your doubts to say, I, I think he's real, I think he exists. And, and that to me is the closest moment in my life to even compare to a moment like Paul's. I mean, Paul's is crazy. He's running along, riding along, and suddenly God appears and blinds him and knocks him off. And he's like, who are you, Lord? And it's so funny to me that Paul asked that question. Who are you, king of the universe? I mean, because it's obvious that this is a significant moment in Paul's life. It's obvious that God is getting his attention and breaking in. And you know what? You can go your whole life being in church but never being in Christ. And there is a moment in everyone's life when the lights turn on. Or maybe the lights turn out for you and you realize, I've been running the wrong direction. Maybe my life needs to turn and pivot and be back on his direction. How is God going to do it in your life? I don't know. I'd love to hear your stories. In fact, when you guys get into table groups, I'd love for you to share some of those stories. Hey, when was the moment that it made sense for you about who Jesus was? But that was Paul's moment. He knew who Jesus was when when literally he was blinded. I don't know what it'll be for you, but there's a moment in life when you go from living your own way from knowing who God is. So he got to know him. And immediately in that moment, after he got to know him, I think that's so funny what happens next. See, Jesus goes in front of Paul and he goes and talks to a guy named uh, Ananias. And if you've read Acts chapter 9 at all, I encourage you to go read it. I don't have a lot of time here, so I don't want to go through every verse. But in Acts chapter 9, he goes ahead of Paul to Ananias and says, Hey, there's a guy coming, and I want you to open his eyes and share the gospel with him. And look at what Ananias says. He goes, "Uh Uh-uh. I don't think so. I mean, Paul was a terror, right? He's like arresting Christians, sending them off to prison. He's beating them. He oversaw the stoning of Stephen, if you're familiar. I mean, he's a, he's a guy that, that is a, that's a terrifying person. And Jesus says, yeah, I want you to go invest your life in him. And he's like, yeah, I don't really know. Is there another dude you want to kind of put in on this? And I love that. I love that the first guy to pour his life into Paul was a guy who didn't even want to. And I think about me. And I think about like, 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 like my gifts and skills or whatever, and I think about me as like an 18, 19-year-old and, and what I needed in life. And if I was looking at me as an 18, 19-year-old, I may not have wanted to pour my life into me. 
I mean, of course, all of us think we're amazing, right? Like, how are you? Well, here's my selfie shot. Like, I'm phenomenal, right? But if you were to look down into your heart and your mind, you know that you have great strengths but also great weaknesses, right? You know there's some things that are amazing about you. Maybe you're passionate. Paul was a passionate man, but he was also violent. And for me, I was hard-headed yet committed. What did that mean? I'm going to follow through, but I'm going to follow through my way. I remember that college was that time, the first time when, when God said, okay, here's all of your gifts, and I'm just going to start turning them to be utilized for me. See, and there's people in Paul's life, not only Ananias, but there's also, if you read at the, the very end of that little section, there's also the disciples of Damascus that were pouring into Paul's life. Why? Because it takes a community to change a person. It takes a community. And for me, there were so many people during my time in college that began shaping me. I remember the first person that majorly impacted me in college, and it was the college pastor. His name was David Daniels. He was leaving the college, leaving the college ministry at the time. And I remember walking in one Sunday morning. A random uh, guy had invited me to go to church in college, and I come in and sit down. And I came from a very different church background. They kind of sat in rows and had cool contemporary music. And I'm like, what are these guitars on stage, right? I just didn't have that experience. And I remember he opened up the Bible and started teaching in a clear, compelling, passionate way. And I'm sitting there going, oh my gosh, this is amazing. He's reading these words and making them make sense. I never had that experience. I remember he stood up week after week and was pouring out the word of God. And and it, it shaped me. I remember my first small group. Ryan Spencer led the small group. I came back after that summer, my sophomore year, and I get back and I'm like, I need to be around Christians. I did not have a close Christian friend until my fifth year of college. I do not recommend that. But I decided I, my sophomore year, I need to get in a small group. And they stuck me in with like seven guys, and I didn't like any of them. And they stuck me with Ryan Spencer, and I didn't like Ryan to start off with, Right? And each week, week after week, we would sit there in small group, and I'm like, I don't like you, Ryan, but I know you're the only Christian who's going to spend time with me, so I need you. I remember week after week for three years, I sat in that Bible study and just said, okay, help me. And most of us in that group, we were like putzes is the technical term. Like we were just a bunch of idiots. And I remember after three years, the shape and change that we took. I remember my, my, uh, what I call my charismatic cousins from Colorado. I, my, my cousins live in Pagosa Springs, Colorado. They're kind of more charismatic bent, and I love them. And they were the ones, the first people I saw as a family really living out the gospel in front of me. And my uncle's one of those guys that's kind of like strong and stoic. He fits very well in like Colorado woodsman type, you know, big beard, and just a stern look could be very intimidating and scary. I remember one particular week, uh, it's in, my, in between my sophomore and junior year of college, and, I, and I'm sitting there with him, we're, we're actually, sorry, we're, we're hiking up a mountain. And he says, what do you want to do with your life? Whatever you tell me to do, sir, I don't, I, what, what, what would you recommend I do with my life? And he, he said to me, I think I'm going to give you some books, I'm going to give you some tapes. I want you to read them. I want to talk about them. I'm like, sir, you give me anything, and I'll do what you tell me to do. And he loaded me up with books and tapes at the time, and I'm listening to tapes. I'm reading books. It was the first time that someone really invested in me and said, 
here, Kevin, here's the tools you need to grow. It's huge. I needed community, but I also needed to grow. And for some of you, I, th- I think you think all we need is a Jesus and me, me and Jesus. But you don't. It takes a community of people to shape and mold you. Remember Derek Baker. He was the first guy to really disciple me. We'd sit down and for hours we would go through texts of the Bible. He would teach me things. I took a systematic theology course that he taught with college students. And I remember learning truths about God I didn't even know existed. I'm like, Derek, man, this is amazing. And during this whole time, I remember my wife. Now, she was my girlfriend at the time. My wife and I started dating when she was a freshman in high school. I was a sophomore in high school. Kevin, your math doesn't work. You weren't believers. Yeah, I wasn't. She was. I wasn't. Don't recommend it. And we spent a lot of time growing and working through all those life changes. I remember by the time we got to the end of college, I think I I was talking to her and I said, "I, I, I think... I figured out what I want to do with my life. And she looks at me and goes, I think I know too. I think you want to go into ministry. And I'm like, yes, I do. <laughs> and for me, it was a terrifying confession. Like, I think I want to like, be involved with what God's doing in the world and give my whole life towards that. And she's like, yeah, yeah, I, I, I kind of already been, I've been picking that vibe up over the past four years. I'm not as dense as you might think. And I remember just her being faithful along the way. And I remember my parents. I don't know if your parents love Jesus or not. Mine, mine do. And I remember as all these major changes are happening in my life, I remember talking with my dad, talking with my mom about all the things that I'm learning and growing in. And they're walking me along the way saying, yes, yes, that's true. Go. See, what we need in life is not only to come to Jesus, to get to him. Secondly, we need to grow with him. So who are the people that are pouring into your life? Who are those men and women that are around you, shaping you, pouring their life into you? Your Ananias, your disciples of Damascus that are, that are growing and shaping you. They're hugely important. They shaped me. They shaped me in college to be the man I am today. And lastly, you go. In between my junior and senior year of, of college, I came back um, a summer from Colorado again. Colorado was a huge moment in my life. And I came back and I thought to myself, I need to do ministry now. I've been in this thing for like three years. I think I need to like do this. And so what I did, and as I would go knock on the freshman doors and say, hey dudes, we're doing a Bible study. Come over here, right? Every Thursday night, I'd go knock on their door saying, hey, we need to do a Bible study. I remember sitting around the first time they actually came and we're sitting there, they're freshmen, they have no idea what they're doing, and neither do I, but they didn't know that, because I was a, such a mature senior, you know. And I open up the Bible, like, we're going to look at Isaiah. I had no idea what Isaiah was saying. And I began the best I could to talk about the words of God with them. And they're like, okay, Kevin, thanks so much, man. And each week they would come back, as I would do my best to muddle through the book of Isaiah and teach it to these guys because I'd finally gotten into the game. The next step that I had was actually I did a college ministry internship in my church, and that was terrifying. My, my responsibilities were to go find people and have them come to a small group Bible study that I was leading and to pursue their ministry and growth uh, all on my own. And it was terrifying, but formative. 
It was the first time that I really owned something and people were relying on me for something. And I remember when I came here to Grace Bible Church. After that year of college ministry, I thought, you know what, I, I need to grow myself. And so uh, I, my boss called Brian Fisher up, the senior pastor um, of Grace Bible Church. He's over at the Anderson campus. She called him up and said, hey, I got a guy coming that way. His wife's in veterinary school. I think you need to give him a shot. I remember sitting down with Zach Nugliazzo and Brian Fisher. And they were asking me all these theological questions. I'm like, I don't know, but I want to be in. And for the past 11 years, this church has shaped and formed me. Theologically, emotionally, community-wise, this church has poured themselves into me. And it was November of this year, October, November of this year, I don't remember, maybe October, Buck and Brian Fisher walk into my office, which was a very intimidating experience. Unannounced, just, Kevin, we need to talk. And I'm like, is this an intervention on me? And they sit down in front of me and they say, Kevin, we would like you to move in to the Southwood College Ministry. What do you think? And my mind went, this is exciting and terrifying. But I feel like God has moved in my heart and life throughout all of these years to be in a place to serve you well. So what do I hope to get? What do I hope to deliver to you over this time? I'll tell you this, I will be committed to you. I will be committed to you knowing, growing, and going for the cause of Christ. That's my commitment to you. I'll be committed to, to being here, to serving you, to being present in every way possible, both me and my wife. So I'm committed to you. What else will I do? Well, the one thing I'm really excited about for college ministry that, uh, that youth never really got to do is you get to stay up late, you get freedom, and you can do pretty much whatever you want within the confines of the law, right? I'm excited about the potential of what college ministry can do. I've studied kind of um, the history of movements and revivals throughout, throughout, the, uh, throughout the ages. You know where they all start? For the most part, people in their 20s. The Great Awakening, George Whitfield and John Wesley, the, the spearheads of that movement, they were dudes in their 20s praying and they changed the world. You look at the Second Great Awakening, it was, it was mainly people praying, praying for revival, for change, and, and they brought a wave of change in the world. You know what's happening right now in College Station? You may not be aware of this, but you guys from A&M, you send out more missionaries, you send out more um, people to seminary than any college university in the nation. See, God is moving powerfully through the ministries at Texas A&M University. If you've got friends that go to other schools, I'm sorry about that, but if you've got friends that go to other schools and you talk about the things that are going on in College Station at Texas A&M University, I'll tell you this, they will be floored at what God is doing here and how people are knowing Jesus, growing, and impacting the world for his purposes. And I'm excited to be caught up in that storm, to let the wind of God blow and see how we might be able to change the world. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you so much for, uh, for transitions in life. They're not always easy, but Father, we know that you are sovereign, you're in control, and you are guiding all things together for the good of those who lo you love and are called according to your purposes. And Lord, I by no means think that I have 
the answers to the world's biggest problems or the willpower to continue a great work within a college ministry at this church. But you do. You have the power, you have the spirit, and you have the direction to lead us and guide us in the future. So Father, I pray for me that you would help me to be submissive to you, sensitive to your spirit, and guide us as we seek to follow you. And Lord, I pray for this transition that it would be as smooth as possible, and more than anything, Lord, that more people would be raised up to know, grow, and go for you. It's in your precious name we pray. Amen.